0: Take your Bible and open with me this morning to John chapter 18. We're going to continue on in this series, a Journey with Jesus. We're going to come to a passage of Scripture that I think is familiar to most who have been around church for any length of time, those who have not been around church for any length of time i have probably heard some reference to this particular passage and what we read today here in John chapter 18. Again, we're in those last few hours of Jesus' life as we're looking here in John chapter 18, 19, and then also 20 where it talks about the betrayal of Christ and um, his, his death Burial, resurrection, as we look at those things, um, there are some parts of this study, parts of these chapters that focus specifically on Christ. In fact, most of it is, that is the focus. It is the focus on our Savior, on our hope, on our salvation, Jesus. But there are some portions of this that focus in some other directions as well. And today we're going to look at one of those in John chapter 18. Now, I've entitled this, The Dawn of a Disciple's Denial. And I'm going to say this up front, that when I get to heaven, when, uh, when you get to heaven, we're, we're probably going to owe Peter a little bit of an apology because all through the years, many of us, me in particular, uh, you know, Pastor, leaders, we kind of point to some of the failures of Peter, some of the struggles that Peter had, and uh, we've been kind of hard on him. Although in Scripture, there is a reason why God includes these things about Peter's life for us to see and for us to read. Part of the reason why God includes some of these details of Peter's life, details of David's life, details of Moses' life, and their faults and their failures and the things that they really messed up really bad, some of the things that they did wrong. Part of the reason why God includes that in there is to remind us that God doesn't use perfect people, he uses people. God uses people like you, like me, people who have messed up, people who have made mistakes, people who are flawed, people who fail, people who do things wrong, and yet God continues to use them over and over again to accomplish his purpose. That is part of the miraculous nature of this God that we serve. That is part of the power of Christ. And when we look in this passage related to Peter and Peter's denial, one of the things that we're going to see is that, yes, Peter is flawed. Yes, Peter fails. We probably should point out at this point that Peter is one of two disciples that actually go to the court, one of two disciples that actually show up there, whereas the other Nine, because Judas has gone out and hanged himself, the other nine have scattered, and then that other disciple, he also leaves as well. And Peter is one of the last ones to cling and to hang on, and finally he abandons Jesus as well. But when we look at this passage, it's important for us to understand and grasp that what led to this point, what led Peter to this point where we read today in John chapter 18, where Peter denies Jesus, what led to this point happened over a period of time. This was a process that led Peter to this point. This didn't just happen. It wasn't something that just took place. It wasn't some incident where Peter was walking faithfully all the time. Everything was perfect. Everything was right in Peter's walk and relationship with Christ. And then when it came down to the point where he had to make a critical decision, he failed in that decision. No, there were certain things in Peter's life that he needed to address long before this. And those things led to this point, led to this process where Peter denies Jesus. So we're going to read this passage from John chapter 18 today, which I think for many of us might be something that we recognize that we've heard before about how Peter denied Christ. But then we're going to back up and look at some other things that I think were steps along the way. They were um, stones in the process that helped build to this point. These were things that were part of Peter's character that he allowed to exist there and maybe didn't fully address that led to this point where Peter denied Jesus. So let's read, first of all, here in John chapter 18, starting at verse 12. We're going to read read down through verse 27, and then we're going to talk about some things that may have led to this point in Peter's life as well. So John chapter 18, starting at verse 12, says, Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews, they arrested Jesus, they bound him. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who had previously advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Why allow all the Jews to be taken into captivity? Why allow all the Jews to go through a war with Rome if this one man was going to stir everything up? It's better that he die And in a sense, Caiaphas was prophesying that which God had already determined. It's better for one man to die, Jesus, than for all the people to die in their sins. Verse 15, and Simon Peter, he followed after Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at a door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. And the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I'm not. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals stood there for it was cold and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. And the high priest, while this is going on, had Jesus, and he asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine, and Jesus answered and said, I spoke openly all the time. I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet, and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand saying, do you answer the high priest like that? And Jesus answered him and said, if I've spoken evil, tell me what the evil is. But if I've spoken well, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Back to Peter, verse 25, now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself therefore they said to him you are not also one of his disciples are you and he denied it and said i'm not and one of the servants of the high priest a relative of him whose ear peter cut off said didn't i see you in the garden with him then peter denied him again denied again and immediately a rooster crowed We're going to focus on this section today. Now obviously part of this section deals with Jesus while he's in before Annas, the father-in-law of the high priest, and also his time where he goes to Caiaphas. We'll actually focus a little more on that next week, but we're going to take our attention. We're going to focus on this section as it relates to Peter, because when we look at this section and we see how Peter responds to that prediction that the Lord made, the Lord said before this night is out, the rooster's going to crow and you're going to deny me. Mark actually says it's going to happen, the rooster's going to crow twice. He's going to crow once and then you're going to deny me and then he's going to crow the second time and you will have denied me in in those times between the time the rooster crows the first time and the second time. But by that second crowing, Peter knew that he had denied Jesus when he hears the rooster. And Peter, who the Lord said, you are going to deny me. And Jesus and, and Peter vehemently said that he would follow him and that he would die for him. He experiences the shame and the heartbreak that comes from that denial of Christ. However, it is not in that moment that all of this began. It began long before this. there are actually some things in peter's walk with the Lord and peter's character that had caused him to come to this point where he denied Christ and we want to look at those things so we 're going to back up a little bit and we 're going to look outside of the gospel of john we 're going to look at some other passages that relate to Peter that point to some of the things that led the dawn of this disciple's denial. Where did it begin? How did it come to this place where Peter denied his Savior the one that he said that he would go to the cross with that he would die for? How did all this happen? Well, We have to back up a little bit and see some things in Peter's relationship with the Lord, with Jesus, that point to what led to this. So we're going to back up a little bit. And the first thing that we're going to see, when we scan back, is we're going to see that Peter, and I'm using this in in the strictest sense of the word, Peter had an ignorance about him I'm not saying Peter was a stupid man because Peter ran a business, but there was something about Peter that he lacked the understanding of what Jesus was trying to do. There was an ignorance about him that he didn't understand what the Lord was trying to say, that he didn't understand what the Lord was aiming for, that he didn't grasp everything that was taking place, he didn't get the whole picture. If you look back with me in Matthew chapter 16, you can turn there, but I'm going to read them to you anyway. You can turn there if you'd like, but in Matthew chapter 16 and verses 21 through 24, Peter has just made his proclamation. He has just said, Jesus asked them, who are you, who who does the world say that I am? And Peter responds and, and, and Jesus says, but who do you say I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ. And Jesus gives that statement and said, well said, well spoken, Peter, well spoken, upon this rock, upon this statement, upon this foundation, that I am the Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He makes this proclamation upon the statement of Peter. That's just happened. And then he gives this explanation. He says... Um, I'm going to go and I'm going to suffer. Verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He must go to Jerusalem. He's telling them the process. This is how I'm going to accomplish this. This is how I'm going to be the Christ. This is how I'm going to accomplish my will and purpose. I am going and I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and and I'll be killed and I'll be raised the third day. And then Peter took him aside, he took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him saying, Lord this is never going to happen to you far be it that this will ever happen. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get away from me Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God. You don't understand the things of God. You haven't taken the time to try to listen to what I've been telling you. You haven't been paying attention to what I've said. You are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. You have your idea of what I'm supposed to be, but I've been trying to tell you what I'm going to be. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to follow me, take up your cross, deny yourself, and then come. You see, what really began Peter's denial was a lack of understanding. He just didn't get it. There was an ignorance there. Because Peter, like the other disciples, Peter, like so many of those Jews, Peter, like so many of his day, thought that Jesus was going to be a conquering king, thought that he was going to set up his throne there in Jerusalem, thought that they were going to conquer all the Roman world. They had this concept of what Jesus was going to be like, but Jesus said, I am not what you think. I'm not going to do what you think. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it my way. Here's who I am. Here's how I am. And if you're going to go with me, you've got to do it my way. You've got to deny you. You've got to deny your idea of what I'm supposed to be like. And you've got to take up your cross and you've got to sacrifice all that you are. You've got to give all that you are. And you've got to be willing to die for me. Peter had an ignorance And he wasn't willing to change it. Listen, a lack of understanding, a lack of understanding is not the problem. A lack of understanding is not the problem. A lack of willingness to do something about our lack of understanding, that's the problem. Through the years, I've had people say, well, I just don't do Bible study. I don't do Bible reading because I don't understand what I'm reading. Okay. Well, listen, you are not going to understand more by pushing the Bible away and say, I'm not going to read anymore. We are not going to grow in our relationship and understanding of who God is by saying, you know what? I don't understand everything I'm reading, so I'm just not going to do anything with it. And that's essentially what Peter was saying to the Lord. I don't get it. I don't understand what you're saying. You say you're going to a cross. You say that you're going to die. You're going to suffer many things, but that's not what you should be doing. And Jesus says, that's not it. You're not listening. A few years ago, there was this this article that ran in the Chicago Tribune. Reuben Brown was the um, reporter who was covering this. Um, Reuben Brown was the guy who was covered in this story. Reuben Brown, he was 61 years old. He was known in certain parts of Chicago as the friendly neighborhood cockroach exterminator with the Mississippi stuff. That's what he was known as, the guy with the Mississippi stuff. He'd moved up from Mississippi into Chicago, and he'd carried some stuff with him, a pesticide with him. And he had a little small business where he would go into apartment complexes, where he would go into um, high rise buildings, and he would spray his Mississippi stuff. It really did the trick did the trick on cockroaches, which was a very big problem there in Chicago. He went from door to door with his hand sprayer. His business grew. He had satisfied customers who were spreading the word about him all over the place on the south side of Chicago. Everybody knew about the guy with the Mississippi stuff, Reuben Brown. In the process, however, Brown caused single-handedly the most expensive environmental catastrophe that has ever been recorded in the city of Chicago because brown's mississippi stuff was a chemical makeup that was only used out in the fields to kill boll weevils What would happen is that farmers would use this Mississippi stuff to kill the hardest of pests, but it always had to be used outside. The warnings were plastered all over the labels that this was not to be used inside because it took three days for it to dissipate, and the fumes from this could cause all kinds of health issues, could cause all kinds of problems. And Reuben Brown was spraying it all over the south side of Chicago, and it cost the city 20 million dollars. They had to go in and cut out plaster, they had to cut out drywall, they had to tear up carpet, they had to tear up wood floors, they had to tear up linoleum, they had to tear all of this out of these buildings because Reuben Brown just didn't read the label. There is not going to be an opportunity when we stand before the Lord for us to plead ignorance. Ignorance. That excuse just won't work. What led Peter to deny Christ? Well, one thing was he didn't want to know more because he didn't like what Jesus was telling him. There's a second thing out of Peter's life that led him to this point of denying Jesus. Flip over with me if you're following along. Otherwise, I'll just read it to you. Mark chapter 14. Over in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 14. In verse 26, it says, They sung a hymn. They went out to the Mount of Olives. We referenced this passage last week. Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night for it is written. Now let me pause right here and say that Jesus is saying for the third time. Or fourth time. He said three times before they ever arrived in Jerusalem. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be handed over into the hands of the Pharisees, the scribes. They're going to take me. They're going to beat me. I'm going to die. He's explained that to his disciples three times previously before they arrived in Jerusalem. Now on the night that it's happening, on the night that he is betrayed, they're heading out to the garden. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said, even if all of them stumble, even if all are made to stumble, yet I won't. And Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, even this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter spoke more vehemently, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. We're going to look at the dawn of this disciples, of Peter's denial. We've got to understand that it began with ignorance and it continued with arrogance. It began with ignorance and it continued with arrogance. And this is the arrogance, this is the way that it's displayed with Peter. I don't care what you say. I don't care if you think everything else, everybody else will betray you. I don't care if everybody else falls. I won't. I don't care if you think that everybody else could abandon you. I won't. I won't ever do that. I won't ever be at that point. I could never do this to you. Listen, the moment in time that I as a believer think that I can't sin, that I can't commit any particular sin is the moment in time that I am particularly vulnerable to that sin. I'll never cheat on my wife. Never, ever, ever. And if I don't take preparation and if I don't take precaution so that I am not put in a position where I will ever have the temptation and the opportunity to cheat on my wife, next thing you know, that temptation may be thrown in front of me and I am not prepared to deal with that. It is that kind of arrogance that causes us to fall. Well, I will never, ever take a bribe. Oh, really? If I don't prepare for the fact that when somebody plops down $100,000 in front of me to do something that is wrong, to cover up their backside, and that nobody else will ever know, I might just be tempted to take that and do it. I will never gossip like he does, like she does. I will never treat my children the way that My parents treated me. You know, when we begin to think that we can't possibly do something, when we are so arrogant to think that it can't happen to me, that's when we are setting ourselves up for a fall. And that's just what Peter did. Lord, you may think that about everybody else, but you just don't know me well enough. I'm not going to do it. I am the best out of all of these. I'm the best one. I'm the greatest. There's a guy who called himself that years ago. Name was Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, he'd walk around, he'd strut around, he was that arrogant heavyweight boxer who used to say, "I am the greatest." I am the best. And he kept saying it all the time. I am the greatest. I am the best. And he said it all the time about everything, especially anything sports related. Muhammad, are you good at basketball? I am the greatest. I am the best. He'd say it about everything. One of his friends got so tired of it one time. He knew that uh, Muhammad Ali had never played golf in his life. He said, Muhammad, are you good at golf? And he thought for a moment. He said, I am the greatest. I just haven't played yet. Whenever we think that we can't fall, whenever we think that we can't be touched by some failure or mistake, we have positioned ourselves for that very failure. There, but for the grace of God, go I. What led to Peter's denial? First of all, it was his ignorance. He wasn't willing to listen to the Lord. Secondly, it was his arrogance. Third, it was his disobedience. Matthew chapter 26. As they go into the garden, Matthew chapter 26, there is this interaction starting at verse 36. And Jesus came to a place called Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, now John doesn't have all of this detail. Matthew gives a little more detail here. He said to his disciples, you sit here while I go and pray over there. So he says this to his disciples. There's 11 of them at this point. 11 of his disciples. Remember, Judas has gone out. So he says this. And so there are eight of them that remain because, verse 37, he took with him Peter And the two sons of Zebedee, James and John. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Verse 38 Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And then he went on a little further. And he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then he came back to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Couldn't you pray with me for just a little while? Couldn't you just keep watch for a little while, one hour? Watch, And pray, lest you enter into temptation. Spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And a second time he went away and he prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came back, verse 43, and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again. And he prayed a third time, saying the same words. And he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See my betrayers here. What led to Peter's denial? Well, there was his ignorance, and there was his arrogance, and then there was also his disobedience. Now I get it. Peter was tired. I I know Peter was tired. He was exhausted. But Jesus asked one simple request, Peter. Now is a critical time. Now is a critical moment. Now is the time. I'm getting ready to be betrayed into the hands of these people who will take me and beat me. I need you to watch with me. I need you to stand guard with me. I need you to pray with me for just a little while, just for a few minutes, just for an hour. Will you do that? Wait right here. I'm going over there. Pray. Comes back there asleep. Really? Really? Stay awake with me. Watch for just a little while. This is my task. This is what I've given you. Pray. Take some time. Watch with me. And again, they sleep. Now, we might think that that's just a failing of the flesh. That's just a failing because his body was worn out. That's just a failing because he was really tired. But in reality, the Lord gave him one simple command. He gave it to Peter and to James and to John and to the other eight, pray. Just take some time, pray. Spend some moments here and let's let's talk to the Father. And, And you talk to him together. You eight stay here and you three come with me and you three stay here. I'm gonna go a little further. Just pray. I need you to do this with me. I need you to watch with me. And Peter couldn't, wouldn't. This is disobedience. Pause with me and think for just a moment. If Peter had prayed, could it, would it have made a difference? We won't ever know. Well, Prophecy said all the disciples would fail him. Prophecy said that all his disciples would would abandon him. Maybe that's because the Lord knew then that Peter wouldn't obey him. But if he had, if he had prayed, if he had stayed awake, if he had taken that time, maybe it wouldn't have said that all of them would betray him. Maybe that prophecy would have never been stated that way. All but one. We don't know. Because what happened was Peter just disobeyed. In his book, um, George Patton wrote a book later in life. It's based on some of his leadership lessons. It was entitled General Patton's Principles for Life and Leadership. It was co-authored. Somebody else helped write down some of his thoughts. Here's what he said. Um, He said, picking the right leader is the most important task of any commander. Now, Patton was a rough guy. He was was a hard guy. And those who served under him, they knew that he was particularly difficult, particularly tough. He said, picking the right leader is the most important task of any candidates. He said, this is what I do. I line up all the candidates and I say, men, I want a trench dug behind warehouse 10. Dig this trench eight feet long, three feet wide, and six inches deep that's what I want, go to work. And these are candidates, some of whom are lieutenants, some are majors, some even have higher rank, and he's looking for somebody who will step forward and lead. And he gives them this simple command, and he says, this is what I want. I want it eight feet long, three feet wide, six inches deep, dig a trench, go do it out behind warehouse 10 right now. And he said, "'You can almost tell what somebody's rank is without their insignia just by how they react, because lieutenants are a little more likely to go, and the major's a little more reluctant, and the colonels are always going to complain when you give them some command like that. They want to know why they're supposed to do anything.'" And he said, when they go out behind the warehouse, they'll argue and they'll dither for a few moments and they will talk back and forth. Why does he want a trench? Why does he want it six inches deep? Nobody can hide in a trench six inches deep. This isn't going to be for protection. We need to dig it deeper. And then eventually, he says, there will be one guy who steps forward and says, I don't know what he needs it for. I don't know why it needs to be six inches deep, but he told us to dig it six inches deep. Let's just dig the trench. And he said, that's the guy I want. He always gets the promotion. Because if you can't follow directions, I can't use you. Listen, for most of us, the Lord's given us some pretty basic directions. He's given us some pretty straightforward guidance. And while we think of disobedience as a small sin, just like the Lord spoke through Samuel the prophet to King Saul, disobedience, you might as well be out practicing witchcraft. Disobedience is as the sin of divination. The Lord's, Lord's not looking for your, what you can give him. He's not looking for your sacrifice. He's looking for your obedience. What led Peter to his denial? His ignorance, his arrogance, and his disobedience. And one last thing. What led Peter to his denial? Is also his reluctance, his lack of faith. Matthew chapter 14, Jesus is walking on the water out to the boat where the disciples are. In verse 28, Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. When Peter had come out of the boat, and he was the only disciple who did, When he got out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, You have such little faith. Why did you doubt? You have such little faith. Why did you doubt? What led to Peter's denial? It was his ignorance, his arrogance, his disobedience, but it was also his reluctance, his reluctance to believe, his lack of complete trust, his lack of complete faith, that God, that Jesus knew what he was doing. There was a man who, um, for show, back when it was still allowed, he had a high wire stretched across Niagara Falls. He was a rather well-known uh, aerial artist, and he would tightrope across this wire. There's even occasion where he had learned, he had trained himself, he could ride a bike. It had special wheels on it, and so the, the rims of the, the bike had rubber inside, so it would hold it to the wire a little bit better, so it wouldn't slip because of the water. But he would ride his bike across this wire that stretched across part of Niagara Falls, a portion of it, the American side. And he before show, hopped on his bike, and he rode across, and as he arrived to the other side, he was riding his bike across, the crowd had gathered like they always did when he put on his show, and as he rode his bike across, he got to the other side, and the crowd is just cheering and yelling and screaming and jumping up and down as he gets to the other side, and in a flourish, he hops off his bike, and he jumps down from the platform where the wire extends to. He says, can you believe?" that I can ride a bicycle across Niagara Falls? Do you think I can go back and do it again? And the crowd roars, and they start yelling, yes. And so everybody's cheering. He says, do you believe that I can ride across Niagara Falls with a blindfold on? And the crowd's, yeah, yeah, do it. We want to see that. And everybody's cheering and hollering. He says, do you believe that I can ride across Niagara Falls with a blindfold on with someone riding on my back? And the crowd is really excited and jumping up and down and cheering, yes, yes, yes. He said, well, who will be the first volunteer? And one. There's a difference between believing that he can knowing that he will. Part of the issue with Peter was that he believed in his head he's the Christ. He has the power to heal. He has the power to raise from the dead. He believed in his head that he was the ruler over all that belief hadn't fully translated into his heart, because if it had, not only would Peter's words have been, I'll go to the cross with you. I'll die with you. I'll give my life for you. Not only would his words have shown that, but his actions would have as well. And it leads us to this place. Have there ever been times time still where I am reluctant to want to know what God wants me to do because maybe what he might call me to do is a little different than what I want to do. Lord, I'll follow you. I will go wherever you want me to go. Well, I mean, it's except for there or there, or next week, or next month? Is it that sometimes we like remaining ignorant because we're a little afraid of what he might call us to give up or to do in service to him? Is it possible that at times we've become arrogant like Peter? Lord, all these people here, they may fail you, but I'm not going to. Because I know more. I know better. I spend time in your word. I pray with you every day. Lord, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to fail you. Is it possible that our arrogance has brought us to this dangerous place like it did with Peter where we think we cannot possibly fail him? It might be him. It might be her. But it won't be me. Is it possible that the Lord has already asked some things of us there are some things that he has already given us as directives as commands that we are not obeying now is it possible that we believe in our head that he can but we haven't fully committed in our heart that he will if so We have set ourselves in the same place that Peter did, where we are ready for a failure. So what do we do? The first thing that I've got to decide is, if I don't know, I'm going to find out. I've got to spend more time in his word. I've got to spend more time in prayer. If I think that I can't fall, I need to. As Peter said, yes, that Peter said in 1 Peter, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand. It's time that we humble ourselves and start listening to him again instead of listening to us. It's time that when he's given us a command to do something already that we know that we're supposed to do, to stop making excuses and start. What do we need to do? We need to grow in his word to the point where we are able to say, Lord, whatever, Lord, wherever, Lord, whoever, Lord, however, I'm ready. By faith, I'm ready for whatever you lead me to today. Let's pray. Father, this day, I ask that you would speak to my flawed heart, that you would remind me that I am fallible. Don't let me think in my arrogance I can't fail. Lord, don't allow me to wallow in my ignorance, but continue to show me through your word your plan and your path for my life lord those things which i already know i should be doing remind me again forgive me for my disobedience and help me be more obedient and lord this day i pray that you'd strengthen my faith Strengthen my trust in you. Helping it to move from a knowledge in my head to a certainty in my heart. I want to pray that you would speak today to each of us so that we not fall. We not deny you, but we stand firm in faith. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Mm